0: I'm Josiah Rizzo. I'm Benji Jones. And on Wednesdays, we wear wear pink. Uh, Do you guys remember the first time you watched Inglourious Bastards and saw the ending? Oh,
1: we were in the theater, weren't we? Oh, yeah. We were in the theater, weren't we?
2: (laughs) Into the mic, please.
0: (laughs) Grace and I, yeah, we were. Yeah, Christmas, no? No. well <laughs> I think it was. Shoot, I actually can't remember it when was it came out. It
1: was either Thanksgiving or Christmas. It was the day that mom was like, I don't think we should do this. No, that was Django. Uh, Django. That was Django.
0: Somehow we
2: convinced our Django. parents on to Christmas.
0: see Django on Unchained on so, Christmas. I feel wow. Like this is... <laughs> In the well, first five minutes. I feel like that
2: would be an easy convince because you'd be like, oh, let's go see this. And they'd be like, no. And you'd be like, what, are you racist? And they'd be like, no, I'll go see Django. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Somehow you got the exact conversation. How did that happen? <laughs>
1: That's exactly. <laughs> how
0: that went. <laughs> I remember cuz in the first 5 minutes the uh, the horse gets a shotgun to the
2: face. Yeah, oh my gosh. Horrible. And I looked over at mom and just was like,
0: Merry Christmas. This is what we signed up for.
2: Kind of like how um my me and my dad ended up seeing Twilight for the first time. He didn't notice about. <laughs> and so we had like we were, we were early for our movie so we sat in that movie to wait for our movie to start. And then we ended up liking it, so we stayed through like almost the whole thing. And then at the point where we realized that Edward is a vampire, my dad's like, well, "You got me watching this double movie. Like, let's get out of here." And I was like, "Dad, if you don't sit down, we already missed our movie. Like, we're gonna finish this." And then he ended up loving movie. it, and he owns all of the movies now. Your dad? <laughs> yes, he loves Twilight. That's development I did not mm-hmm. know. Oh yeah, kind of, for sure. I'm
1: actually about the Twilight series. Oh, okay. If I do say I don't like it per se. Like, I think that the the graphics are... Shite. Pretty shite, but...
2: But you respect their hustle. <laughs> <laughs> so weird.
1: I do respect their
2: hustle. Mm-hmm. I feel it. Oh. Um, anyways, so we're not here to talk about Twilight. No,
0: no. Actually, <laughs> <minute>. uh, first <laughs> off, I just want to say welcome back, all you uh, listeners. All y'all listeners. All y'all listeners. I'm Josiah Rizzo. I'm Benji Jones.
1: I'm Thug Muffin.
0: Yes. And on Wednesdays... we We wear wear pink pink. (laughs) and uh, this is a pop culture podcast uh (laughs) Wow. Okay. <laughs> I literally
2: forgot everything they yeah. got thrown off by that thug See, muffin. it's not me. It's not me. No, this is our pop culture podcast where we talk about our experiences with film and media and everything else.
0: Oh, and you took away the and everything else. I took all of the lines. Uh, <laughs> and the impact that it's leaving on our generation. Beautiful. Today we have my sister, Grace Rizzo, and we're going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Just tell us a little bit about yourself so the audience can know who you is.
1: Who I is. I'm definitely Josiah Rizzo's sister. Yep. Benji Jones' longtime friend.
2: Longtime friend and part time lover.
0: Part time lover.
1: (laughs) Okay. On Wednesdays.
2: And we've, uh, (laughs) is
0: there anything else that we've done together? Because we've Uh, done a few projects together. We've
1: done quite a few projects. We've made a couple of films together. We just recently put out our first actual feature together uh, where he directed and I co wrote alongside a friend of mine.
0: Yeah, that was called Molly Talk. Thank you. It was about two girls falling in love while uh, on on Molly. Molly. And then now what are, what are you doing? Because you're actually doing something tonight, aren't you? I am.
1: I have my first ever solo performance
0: this Woo! evening Woo-hoo! at Hollywood Party
1: Los Angeles.
2: Yeah,
0: Nice. How would you, how would you describe uh, the type of music that you sing?
1: Oh, foul. Just very foul. Oh, foul. Really
2: quick and foul. to the point.
1: No, it's all, it's all different kinds of foul, you know? Yeah. Classic foul. Country foul.
2: <laughs> New Age foul. New
1: Age foul.
0: Foghorn leghorn foul. Foghorn leghorn Oh, yeah. Horn. There is definitely bok, bok, some. Foul. <laughs> bok bok foul. Um, BDF. Strike as...
1: your out foul. Wow. Kids call
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was clever. <laughs> oh, we are just a clever freaking family, aren't we? Oh, yes.
1: I do make music. Uh, we make films. I am an actress. I'm working on a project right now, which I can't say the name of because I will be shot down dead on site. So that is what's going on in my life currently.
2: Yeah. It's well. got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Way um, too much. I'm
1: raising twins.
0: Also, <laughs> <Old laughs> uh, but today, so I know we are actually like passing like sails in the night or passing ships in the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel I like I
1: literally came in at four thirty this morning and he was leaving for work. <laughs> That's.
0: Last bad. week, though, we actually had a chance for all three of us to sync our schedules and yes. and go and see the movie that we're going to be talking about, Yeah, yeah. which was actually fun. I was really excited because it was like one of the first times I got to relax and enjoy a film uh, with my friends and
2: it not be like, Ugh. it it's just, yeah. it was I don't know. Fun. Just a casual like, hey, you want to go? Yeah, let's do this and kind of yeah. stumble into happen. theater and no big deal. Didn't personally.
0: go to like a big theater either. We went to like a theater in what was it? Oxnard? Oh, um, uh, Woodland, Hills. Woodland Hills. Woodland Opsnarr. Hills. Sorry, I used to work there. Where was it that I worked? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was nice. It was like no traffic, no parking issues, not a lot it of people. It was lovely. It was so nice, was and good.
2: then it was three hours, a three-hour film. I didn't know what I was getting. I into. asked if
1: we could go later, and um, we went later, and then that later ended up being just too darn late.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea it was a Quentin Tarantino movie until the very end, and I was like. Holy shit This is crazy (laughs) And I then I like I still didn't realize it Until the end When it was like By Quentin Tarantino And I was like Uh, That makes Uh, sense I was
0: like Oh okay So the film Was about um, Rick Dalton Who was portrayed By Leonardo DiCaprio Who is an aging Western star Who's kind of like On the outs With Hollywood And um, He's He hangs out With his best friend And stunt double Cliff Booth Who's portrayed By Brad Pitt
2: and then that's pretty much the entirety of the plot. Oh, uh, my gosh. That's all the movie is. It's just <laughs> these two guys hanging out and doing nothing. Movie over. For three hours, <laughs> not movie over. That was three hours the, of that. The two guys, just they just do their thing, and then the movie's over four hours. And later. that actually is the most accurate <laughs> time we've ever said that before. But the movie
1: it no, no about a friendship.
2: It was – okay, so I – initial thoughts – I didn't remember what this was until we were watching it. Um, but <laughs> watching it, I did enjoy it as an actor. I enjoyed seeing like a yes. snapshot of Hollywood and the industry and L.A. at that time. It was really right. interesting to be in like a time capsule or a time machine kind of thing. So that's really what I enjoyed. But it was something that probably would only be interesting once, I would say.
1: Yeah. I would definitely watch it again when I'm not tired and I'm not in an uncomfortable seat I think that the movie going experience is kind of hard for me because I do have anxiety attacks in movie theaters Based on how tight my space is. So Mm -hmm. if my space is really confined, I do find it hard to enjoy a film So that's just something on me. I think if I watched it again in a more hospitable place, (laughs) I might enjoy it a little bit more because I actually do like dialogue I really do like um, stories uh, that maybe don't need much especially if the acting is really good, which it was. Um it def yeah.
0: I don't know how I th- I felt about it. I definitely wanted to w- want to watch it again. Yeah. I, that's for sure. I agree with you. I love seeing movies in theaters, but that one was uh, a yeah, little was a tad like- too much for me, which I feel horrible about saying. There's a lot of craft that goes into it, but it was kind of a film that I thought this would be really enjoyable, like, as a chill movie. Like, something that you put on, mm-hmm. you kind of just relax. So I can imagine people who smoke would probably really enjoy just, yeah. like, vibing, relaxing. Just, yeah. It's it, a hangout movie. It's a good movie to play in the background of doing something else. I, I wouldn't maybe trash it that much, but I would agree with you. To a I, I
2: don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean, <laughs> I just mean like... Yeah. a lot of nothing. But you're happens. different.
1: You, you require a lot more glitz and,
2: and I require a lot pizzazz. more bright colors and movement and I don't
0: know. I'm pretty patient attractive. with films, and that one kind of tried me a little bit. But I did. It was weird because the craft of it was really well done. Yes. Like they, the acting was really good. I really enjoyed, uh, particularly Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was he wasn't playing anything spectacularly out of the ordinary. It was the same role he kind of does all the time, but it felt
1: Easy to watch. Yeah, them the Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. I was about to say Bradley Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> and Brad Pitt are very very easy to watch because their performances are seamless. You don't see them thinking about anything. You just see them living you see most them, of the time. Yeah, even when their characters are over the top, you see it as realistic. He, yeah, you know it's very much. Oh, that's a person. You know, and yeah, so yeah. I think. It's very fun to watch their chemistry together. Obviously, I almost think that's what the film was for. It mm-hmm. was literally because Leo DiCaprio, not that they're dying actors, they're not, but they have their heydays a little bit
2: past, past yeah.
1: except that they're both phenomenal actors, yeah. so their heyday will never really pass. Yeah, I think like, it's just
2: they're both in kind of their but sit I, down phase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And I
1: felt like Tarantino almost made like a love story for them. And they're yeah. Except they Hollywood. didn't
2: like kiss or anything, so like, as well what's have. the point? I, there was about six times when I was yeah. like, "So are you going to kiss him or what?"
1: Bromance <laughs> films are really wonderful. I I, I enjoy bromance films, and I felt like this was definitely one of them.
2: So I guess we all kind of agree. Very good craft. Little little long, little long, but little long. yeah. I mean, there were definitely great great moments in but it. But
1: all of his films are. I just think all of his films there are more in between moments of. Ah!
0: Right. That, yeah. That this TV definitely didn't f- this felt the least okay, knowing Tarantino's love for film, it felt 100%, 110% Tarantino. Yeah. But watching his films for so long and understanding like the ticks and the quirks and the things that he does regularly, this felt the least Tarantino-y. Yeah. Yeah. Until yeah. the end. Yeah. Yes. Like, even the dialogue, the way that they the scenes played out was not the
2: typical Tarantino fashion. It was slower. Much slower. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies, and, like, I've never been that conscious of how long it was. Like, when you guys said they're usually long, like, I've never noticed that. Except yeah. for this.
1: <laughs> but I think... I feel like everything we're saying is stuff Tarantino knew people would say about it. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think he said, "Yeah, fuck it. This is my last. I want it to be just (laughs) as genuine."
2: Last
0: film? It's his second to last film. At least Uh, I don't know. He's like he's like that guy who says he's going to leave the party, but then keeps coming back. It's like
1: he's getting off Instagram.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because like this is supposed to be his. Like he said he's going to retire at ten, but now he's also saying that he's writing. Weirdly enough, he's writing a, a Star Trek film. And he's contemplating that being his last film, but he's also saying it wouldn't technically be his last because it's a franchise. Because it's not technically his film. So I'm just like, Tarantino, you don't need to tell me anything. Yeah, just, technicalities. Just, just make your film and retire when you want to. Like,
2: I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 guys. I'm really going to do it this time. Okay. i All right. You know what it
0: reminded me of, Grace? It reminded me of Zodiac. Did you ever see that movie? Mm. Really?
1: Yeah. No, I started watching it three or four times, and all three times I fell asleep.
0: <laughs> well, Grace, first off, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on, A, you're my sister, mm-hmm. and you were – it was due. Yeah. Uh, but B, you are a big fan of, like, these kind of, like, real-life – You're m- a like big fan of Charles Manson. <laughs> pull back,
1: pull back. I don't want to sound like one of those girls that's like, I love serial killers. I don't.
0: You're fascinated by –
1: Yes. The just I, – I, I'm fascinated by any form of personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with any of these cases of, say, like the Manson murders, Jim Jones, all of those, there's a lot of personality disorders involved. So it's something that I do take a lot of time actually researching. And I'm not talking about like a couple of like Huffington Post articles. On <laughs> that, or, I mean, nope. like deep research. Um,
0: and so from that perspective, obviously understanding that this right. wasn't supposed to be exclusively. Like yeah. Manson film they just happened to take part of it even still knowing that what were your initial feelings about the way that was portrayed
1: I love that he wanted to bring in that story for this film because it just encompassed I guess Hollywood at that time Mm -hmm. of the self indulgence of these kids thinking that they're doing something but they're just following orders and I, I just thought I honestly thought it was a great idea to bring the story in my initial thought was not that I wanted more realistic because I love, I love that he fucked up the end. Mm -hmm, Like, or I'm sorry, that he muffed up the end. That he changed changed it. That he changed it. I really did like that he went in and obliterated them. But, I would have liked, because there are three murders, actually three houses of murder in total. Mm -hmm. And I thought, even though the story was about that house, it would have been really great that if that ending scene, if we would have cut out just a little bit of the middle portion of the film to have the ending violence go a little bit longer mm-hmm. with the other houses that got hit.
0: But I thought those were at separate times. I, I don't mm-hmm. know a they
1: lot. Were. Um, one was actually the night before Sharon Tate. or okay. I. Th- oh, God. Now am I messing it up? Yeah, the LaBianca house, I think, was the night before.
0: So can you, for, for just a brief, um, like if you could give a brief summary as to what essentially happened with these girls during that time yeah, uh, and who Charles Manson was.
1: Uh, Charles Manson was an artist, a singer, songwriter, or like a up and coming, not really, but a wannabe singer, songwriter um, who had gone to jail multiple times, had been sent in jail as a kid for everything from uh, prostituting women, drugs, uh, fights. So he had already been in the system, had, um, you know, experienced a pretty rough life. And then as he got older, he just started – um, really gravitating towards the Woodstock movement and the hippie movement and uh-huh. kind of seeing how all this free love could have potentially be used um, mm-hmm. for his advantage obviously not going into it thinking that he's going to murder a bunch of people but <sighs> he's just a pretty much your average everyday narcissist who uh-huh. is simply obsessed with themselves to the point where they don't see faults in themselves and they make it difficult for others to see flaws in them as well mm-hmm. um, because they're very good at hiding it so basically what he did is he would pick up, you know, young girls who maybe didn't have as exciting of a life or had a very damaged life mm-hmm. and kind of took them in as like a leader, father, lover, you know, same mm-hmm. with men, almost just brought them in like it was going to be a big, happy family. And it was for a while, you know, it was a very good movement. It was just a lot of people doing drugs and having porking. sex and working and, <laughs> See,
2: you know, anything yeah. that
1: most of your typical communities are started from. Um, with the exception that he was a extreme narcissist, maybe like, I'm not sure if it's Machiavellian because I didn't, you know, I wasn't there with him, and I'm not his therapist, so I can't tell what kind of like <laughs> narcissist he is. But, um, so the night of, there's different stories that go into why Sharon Tate's house was targeted and why the La Bianca's house was targeted. Mm. Uh, a lot of it doing with bad drug deals, which I think they Started to touch on Well they
0: touched on Not the drug deal They touched on the Kind of the coincidence Of there was a producer there That had rejected him Yes That had previously lived In the Tate house
1: Musically Uh, Because he was getting Rejected musically They were saying You're not really
0: So then he just went Fuck anybody who lived there
1: Yeah Ballistic on him And of course It's narcissistic rage And uh, people that suffer from that are very good at manipulating others to do what they want without ever telling them what to do.
2: Mm-hmm. So they um, always have that plausible deniability. Yeah,
1: every time. So basically, that's what happened. You know, some of them could have had their own personality disorders to start off with. I think Susan Atkins was definitely probably diagnosable, whereas the rest of the girls were just um, malleable. Is that mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for? Yeah,
2: they're like multiple impressionable. Yeah, um, because
1: they had boring lives. You know, they are average, everyday white American, kind of coasting. Uh, didn't want to subscribe to the wife and kids where they had to get married, had to have children, and be a homemaker. These girls wanted more out of their life, and um, Charles Manson promised that and did give them that for a good majority of the time.
0: What's that old church saying? Boredom is the devil's playground. Is that idle hands are the devil's playground? Idle yeah. hands are the devil. I like the I, devil's playground. Culturally, I think that is absolutely like mm-hmm. accurate mm-hmm. when it comes to just like I don't if you're bored. Because you have you have like almost like a split line, like the people who have not been as privileged who have to deal with another side of problems. And then if they have issues, it stems from kind of like the oppression, whereas then you will have the other side, which is like the issues come in a different way. And if they're not being oppressed, it's like they still have human tendencies that are now going to manifest in Mm -hmm. other things in other ways. Their time is not occupied trying to live. Then it's
2: trying to just entertain
0: themselves. Yeah. That's dark. <laughs> uh, no, it's true. Something else that was very interesting that I had never really considered, um the thing about the Manson murders was that it was kind of a clear end uh, among other things. Um also, I think that was around the time when the um the revivals were happening, like the church revivals were kind of simultaneously happening around this this mm-hmm. time where it was just like you had a few things culturally that were putting an end to kind of the free love yeah, movement. Yeah, because I was
2: like free. I remember I heard a church service about how the free love movement was going right at like the beginning or it was ending right when the church was reviving again. Yeah.
0: So there's a few things that culturally that kind of all came to a head mm-hmm. where it basically was like that whole free love. Let's just. Do whatever we want. Kind of was like, oh, stopped in its yeah. it, its path. And even people who were one hundred percent for it were kind of like, oh, they reevaluated to see people killed, like Sharon Tate, um, killed in her prime. It was just like, yeah, it was it was even more so than Vietnam. It was like, oh, this got brought to our doorsteps, yeah. and that's dark. We can't really. Yeah. And
1: what is so obscurely funny? It's awful. It's morbid. Uh-huh. But what is so funny about the Manson murders is. The I guess I want to say the ludicracy of how much those murders got blown out of proportion, which they were uh. brutal, they were disgusting, disturbing. The uh, you know Sharon Tate was stabbed 11 times in the stomach. Yeah. I think it was as I mean she stabbed yeah. as a pregnant woman. She was 8 months pregnant. Um so they were probably some of the most brutal murders we had seen, but at the same time we were getting through a war where people were getting tortured and and raped mm. and murdered on a regular basis. I think it
0: was nice for people to see a clear enemy yes. that wasn't ourselves.
1: Yeah. And I am not obviously any advocate for Charles Manson. He's 1000% a sociopath. You know, right. he 1000% deserved to die in jail like he just recently did. Um, How
2: recently uh, last, like last year. year? He was alive until last yep. year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of them actually are still alive You have so um, I
2: knew the girls were alive. I didn't know Charles. Manson yeah,
1: Susan Atkins has passed Um, I don't I think Tex has passed too. Tex Watson Um, I'm not sure uh, but anyhow. Yeah, so the some of the story is that, you know, America wanted we want a bad guy mm-hmm. and so Even with the girls, how long they were in jail. So, some of them didn't even actually stab anybody in Mm. the house. And it was proven that they didn't stab anyone. They were just there. But because America wanted
2: to blame someone to
1: make sure we had control over situations like this, they stayed in jail longer than some people who had committed full murders. Right. um, Or first degree murder, right?
0: How? I don't know what degree. So,
1: basically, it just was blown so out of proportion because it's Sharon Tate. And I want to say that. Probably Quentin Tarantino had that in mind when he was making this—that it was just so like blown out of proportion because it was Sharon Tate in particular. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people had been murdered just the same. Black people were being murdered, abused, beaten just the same, but yeah. nowhere near were the um, the aggressors treated the same as yeah. Charles Manson and all these. Yeah, kids. it's just
2: when anything happens to a public figure, Mm -hmm. it just gets blown so much further out of proportion. Like, when sex scandals happen with politicians or, like, when a celebrity's nudes are leaked. It's like, if my nudes were leaked tomorrow... Nobody, Nobody would give a fuck, so... Almost, it makes it more personal because it's like it happened to someone you know. Like, it's like it happened to your friend. Yeah, and it
1: is Sharon Tate, and she was... A beaming light at the time in Hollywood. Yeah. You know, she was an up and coming star, not quite at her peak yet, um, but was about either. to be one of the most yeah. famous stars on the planet. Even which, though
2: she didn't get to say anything until halfway through the movie.
1: Which I read on that too. No.
0: Yeah, so the movie, the themes, upon reflecting, initially when we left the theater, I was like, I don't know what the film was about. I feel like once I figure it out, I'll have enjoyed it more. And upon reflection, I was like, oh, it was clearly about like the old ways of Hollywood feeling threatened. By the new, the new like Hollywood that was coming in, and even at the very beginning, Al Pacino's character is like saying, "You're playing second fiddle as a stepping stone for these new stars." Mm-hmm. You don't stop doing that because yeah. you're making yourself look bad. And for all intents and purposes, these characters are like they're seeing their world just slowly fade away. And even Sharon Tate represents that. She represents the new um, Bruce Lee kind of represents the new. Um, it's all versions of how Hollywood's changing, and mm-hmm. and this film basically ended on a note where it was like, and what if it hadn't? You know, what if the good guys, at least to Tarantino, won? Yeah. Um, I which I think was kind of like, mm, without getting into the ending just yet, was one of my issues with it. It was like to repurpose somebody's life to kind of tell your own um, fantasy story about, like, the old way of Hollywood. It's like, okay, cool. And the family has really enjoyed her portrayal, so...
2: That's good. You know,
0: that's, that's a plus. It's just, it was one of those things where it's like, all right, like, um, but Hollywood did change, so... Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm actually interested uh, because of the way you just described it now where he's uh, making a commentary on a time when Hollywood changed and kind of pushed out the old and started embracing something new. Uh-huh. Is that kind of his way to, like... Mirror what's going on in Hollywood now.
0: Absolutely, I would. Someone, yeah. I can't remember what you were saying earlier, Grace, but there was something where it was just like, yeah, it clearly parallels. Right. Uh, oh, you because you mentioned how uh, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, by no means are they, you know, past their prime. Yeah. But they are. They live in a landscape that's not made for people like them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's made f- for people like, you know, the Chris, Evan, Chris Evans, Chris <laughs> Evans, <or> Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> The people who can basically just play a character and then get replaced Mm -hmm. and then get replaced and get replaced even though I love Chris Evans as Captain America. fantastic. But you know what I mean, right? It's like it's less about him because like the next Chris Evans movies that that comes out, it's not going to be sold on his name as much as it might be sold on the image of him playing Captain America Mm -hmm. or the idea that he was at one point Mm -hmm. Captain America. Whereas like at a certain point, you could just sell a film on a person's name alone yeah, and that was it. Yeah. You know, so um, I was interested, though, in how you guys felt. What did you think of it in terms of the way it treated women? Because
2: like.
1: I read that article you sent. Um, oh,
2: yeah. I wasn't sent an article. <laughs> well, <laughs> is not so even. so hard I, with
1: Tarantino because I see Tarantino who doesn't see anything how it should be seen.
2: Correct. And okay. that's
1: what makes him great. He doesn't see men how they should be seen, even though obviously
2: he leans towards. he
1: leans towards men. But I think his his view of everything is massively skewed, including black people, including women, including children. Including
0: is that a, is that a skewed that you would say is definable as bad, or is that as skewed as definable mm-hmm. as like unknown?
1: Definable as he ha- doesn't have a full. He's not here. Like, he's Quentin Tarantino. He's kind of, (laughs) I don't want to say that, like, idolizing him in any way. I just think he he does remind me of a little kid that's just like, this is how I see things. Mm. And that's pretty much it. And with women, I think with the violence towards them, I don't ever, I haven't taken it personally, which that's just me. That doesn't mean the vast majority of women. Now, I have heard of where he's made women actually unsafe or feel unsafe on sets Mm. based on having them do things that they're not prepared to do. Uh, trick-wise or stunt-wise Uma Thurman Um, so I'm not exactly sure how deep that goes but I know that how I see it is it's kind of like he sees women as we can take the same amount that men can take almost in that manner and how he's dealt with Lucy Liu and, and Uma Thurman in Kill Bill where it was pretty violent, you know?
0: Yeah. I think the only problem, though, is that you still have a culture that, like, if a man gets punched, you go, oh, and if a woman uh, gets punched, you go, ha-ha, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. She's a woman.
1: Yeah, no, it is. I do find that disturbing, and I often, you know, I do question Tarantino, but it, it. what can you do about that? That's my thing, is, like, it is a... <laughs>
2: Yeah, who's laughing at a woman getting punched? What are we referencing? I mean,
0: there was a lot of people even in the theater, like
1: yeah, there were that were that would that Kids got beat,
0: and uh, you didn't see the hateful eight because uh, have you, Grace? Did you see the hateful eight? No. So that so was the
1: only Quentin Tarantino film I think I have.
0: That was the first time I was like, "Oh man, that was a 3-hour film as well. More happened in it." Mm-hmm. But it still was kind of like, ugh, all right, I'm starting to see like the older directors get the more they're like allowed to do what they want." Yeah. And the more you start to reevaluate like what's our relationship because the more you do what you want, the
2: less I'm sure I to, want like, that after yeah. that. After a while you have to DTR with your director because <laughs> you're like, mm.
1: "I think he lives in a fetish world."
2: If yeah, that makes clearly. Sense. I mean, <laughs> oh I'm not even gosh. talking about the
1: amount of feet, which that was great to me. That was so, disturbing. It, okay, <laughs> of course, you're going to put, he said it's my second to last film. I'm going to put as many fucking feet in here as I possibly can.
2: All um, the feet.
1: All the feet. Uh, dirty feet. Dirty
2: like, feet. Like, they were all dirty. Oh, he loves them. <laughs> Anyways.
1: Step in food. Dirt about schmuck. to say.
2: Yeah, out. you were saying
0: uh, I, fantasy fetish world.
1: Yeah, I just think um, potentially his whole, that, it, it's so hard for me to hone in on a director when it's like, okay, we don't know the psychological disorders. Obviously, if he's not actually at home beating women, uh-huh. you know, I. it's not that I don't have a problem with it. It's that, okay, I don't have time to sit down and, and dive into a psyche of a man who has been made into a god because he creates these wonderful films, but at the core might have a mental disorder, mm-hmm. might have a personality disorder, might have his own set of issues in his head. Like most directors out there, it's kind of like, we don't know what he is really like or what he's gone through or anything like that. I know some of his story, but it's hard to say. You know, oftentimes directors are, I don't want to say nerds, but definitely kids that were either outcast or just different, and they decided to create their own world, and that's what he does on a regular basis based on what are you looking at? He's looking (laughs) at me. (laughs) (laughs) had
2: to flip right on over to my director here. It's just so hard for
1: me because it's like, He creates a world based on his brain. Maybe what's going on there isn't good, but that is how he lets it out. Right. So maybe no. Yes, maybe there is a violence towards women. Perhaps that he has an issue with women. You know, he grew up with his mom and his mom had many different boyfriends, correct? Yeah. It is very hard to see women in a great light. I know in situations like that oftentimes, even though she was probably a superhero and probably did the very, very best she could raising him. Wow. For men, when they don't have a full family... They can either be, you know, obsessed with their mom or they can develop unhealthy animosity, animosity or disrespect towards women because they don't see how hard it really is because they don't have somebody else saying there, get your shit together. That woman's (laughs) taking care of you. Wow. You You know what I mean? So if he's not actually enacting those towards women, for me, it's just a glimpse inside his brain. He has violent thoughts towards women.
2: Yeah, perhaps
1: for what he's been through not saying it's right or wrong, but he is not doing it And he's not telling people to actually do it He's just creating a film and he chooses women who in Hindsight had done horrible things, mm-hmm. you know, who right. were controlled by a man, but Susan Atkins very willingly went, you know mm. She tried to backtalk and say, oh, no, I didn't stab anybody in the house Tex Watson killed all of them But she very openly went in court and said I killed everyone. I stabbed everyone in the house very like you know righteously so it's kind of like he takes out his aggression that potentially is going on in his mind on Uh these characters yeah
2: where it's like it's not the most positive message all the way but it's also a more constructive way to deal with aggression towards women if you if you have the urge to punch women make maybe make a movie about it and don't have anyone get hurt (laughs) (laughs) i think
0: yeah i think that was you nailed it on the head though like this film, more than any of them, felt like a glimpse into Tarantino's mind. Yes, and there was stuff I was like, ah, "I'm not sure I'm gonna, I want a glimpse anymore." Right. Um, for me, and this is interesting because there's a lot of people who have very, very um strong feelings about how to tackle the changing landscape of making films. I am fully. Behind the fact, even though I'm very big on inclusion, I'm very big on expanding what you talk about. I love that we are – we're now – we're colorblind casting or being very specific with uh, (laughs) – Colorful casting. Colorful casting. (laughs) Um, We're changing it up in terms of like sex um, and and Mm -hmm. sexual preferences. So I'm still – I'm very adamant on inclusion. However, I still feel that filmmakers have the right to make the films that they want to make it about. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get very frustrated when I read comments where it's like this movie was about a cis white male. I'm like, well, yeah, he, you well, can't force Quentin every Tarantino's director, a cis white male. right? Yeah. So my thought is that it's less about the filmmakers that always like the filmmakers do need to make some changes, but it's I think the responsibility for, falls more on like the studios. They need to just expand who they. Who they pick up, who they pick, what
2: stories they're picking. But
0: the filmmakers themselves should be allowed to essentially make their movies because it's like, what are we going to do? Police every single director and be like, hey, is that that character a male? Cis
2: white male, that's three out of three. You have to change one of those.
0: So, and it's like, so what we keep doing is like, we've got the same directors, but we're like pointing fingers at them, going like, hey, you make our movies now. You make the movies that the audiences demand. And it's like, okay, or you could take a risk and hire directors who will do that you're yeah. like no we, we still like it the way and they it is don't
1: want to take that risk oftentimes and here here's the deal this is with any form of like new venue they're like worried and it's even with tv shows so with like latin tv shows black tv shows asian asian tv shows which are doing great now they were so nervous because they didn't bring in as much money yet. Right. Yet. Because they didn't have a foundation yet. Because right. they weren't allowed to yet. And now it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, that's great. Inclusion, branch out. Go get the directors, the ones that aren't known yet, mm-hmm. and give them a space to grow. Right. They haven't had a space or budget to grow. Not all of A lot of these minorities haven't. A lot of us haven't had that mm-hmm. space to grow. Especially mm-hmm. not Latin, the Latin minority. Like, we have, but not in American culture. So... It's just that time, but like I'm saying for you, same thing with yeah. Tarantino. Yes, make the films you want to make. Of course, it's going to be about a size white man, cis, cis white man, because that's so who what, he is. Nobody what he knows. You know?
0: So my review of this is not me sitting here in the chair going like, well, he should have told this story. Mm-hmm. Well, he should have done that. However, there were multiple times where I was sitting in the theater. I was like, bro, like, I'm very uncomfortable. Mm. Like, case in point, I was very uncomfortable with the the younger actress. Yeah. Who I've met before. I like her. Yeah, she's really good. She's uh, amazing. What is her name? She's so great. That scene was really shoot. Fine. What is her name? I'm blanking on her name. I met her and I can't. She looks
1: like a Rosie. Is that her name?
0: <laughs> no,
2: her name's not Rosie. Um, Rosie McClellan. Oh, hold on. Where? Where is? I just feel like we could have cut an hour out of that movie.
1: But I also think that. That he did that on purpose because he's tired of these vines. Like I can see Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> he's like,
2: I'm gonna make you sing, idiot millennial, millennials sit watch down. Watch this shit
1: because you like me that much, <laughs> and you all think I'm so cool, and you all have my poster in your house. Right. You have my pulp fiction I'm gonna force you to attire. watch. This. I'm gonna force you to sit and watch cinema.
0: Right. But okay. So her name was Julia Butters. Um, she's on that show American.
2: Will, so you is that, that say. really not her name? Really clear. <laughs> What? Julia Butters. Butters? No. No, I just have That's to say so- really quickly that just because you said that I actually like the movie now <laughs> Like, I literally if he were to be all like no I literally just wanted Millennials to watch something and be focused on something for more than seven Five seconds. seconds. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Very, I can respect, respect.
2: that. <laughs> no, she was great. I loved it There were just certain things where it's like you can't you don't want to
0: police him Cuz like I said, I'm not gonna go there on set and be like do it this way do it that way It just was telling for instance just like even the shot where it's like she comes up to comfort him. And how does she comfort him? She gets down on her knees, puts her hand on his his leg. Yeah. And the shot, the camera is like overlooking him looking down at her. Yeah. And it was just like clearly a power play. Low-key creepy. It was. It was like it's little stuff that you can't necessarily go that's wrong. But you're just like I see how you see women. That yeah. even a young girl is essentially just – even though, like, Who yeah,
1: smarter and more talented, yeah,
0: and way more, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I mean and like, so. but she could have, like, Benji, what were you saying? She could have easily just walked up and
2: uh, yeah, touched him on the shoulder, but I'm like, hey, bud, you okay? You but know, instead, easily. they had to do
0: kind of like a low key kind yeah. of,
2: or like pulled up her chair and sat next to him and like grabbed his hand and been like, hey, where, what was how are what you? was the word we
0: used? It was submissive, yeah,
2: yeah. There
0: was just a sum- submissiveness to it, yeah. and there was just little things like that peppered throughout the film where I was like, I like it, but I see it's more apparent. Kind of the way you view the world, and for me personally, I was like, I don't know, it's just like even he was like all up in the little girl, like just grabbing her, like
2: yeah, whenever uh, he was like holding her hostage, he had like she was like sitting in his lap and he's like holding her across the chest, which, yeah, like this is getting really like nitpicky. yeah, and that made me, that made me very but it's uncomfortable, long. like a grown man shouldn't have a little girl in his lap unless it's his daughter. And then, And still. even then, like, <laughs> but and like. They, they
1: try to make it okay by making her extremely mature, and it's the same thing at how I think they deal with Millie Bobby Brown, which really bothers me. Yeah. Because she's so intelligent, because they're so hyper-intelligent, they feel like they can treat them like adults, but they're not. Even still, it's funny because she is more prepared. She is on set, She was great. You know? No, but that's what I'm saying, is I that know. he, she said, that's the best acting I've ever seen to the guy who's not prepared, who doesn't care, who's yeah. acting like a child, mm-hmm. you know. And also, says, that, that
0: like, shot, the the way it was framed when I first saw the first trailer, she comes in and it was like so uncomfortably close, like almost like her lips were framed around his lips that I remember thinking,
2: mm, that was weird. I remember actually you saying that when you saw that.
0: Yeah. And it was just <laughs> in the trailer. And then the entire film, I was like, okay. So it's like, I'm not going to sit there and talk with Tarantino and be like, hey, man, why are you being creepy with girls? Because it's like, I know. He's
2: probably. But yeah. also he very clearly in the movie put uh, the scene where Brad Pitt doesn't let the girl Give him a blowjob in the car because she <laughs> shouldn't have picked her up not, in the first place. Clearly not 18, so I mean it's again it's the case of he has this fantasy, but he's like I'm not doing yeah, it. Yeah,
1: but she <laughs> offered, so there is even more of an issue there. I'm sorry if you really want to dive into like <laughs> oh yeah that kind of stuff. It's like guys will be like that. If you offer it, they're going to say no. And yeah. it's a power play mm. of saying I have power over you. I want you to not want this, and me to be able to tell you that's
0: true. I what see we're that. doing. I see yeah, it. I saw it maybe less like that, and more like, a, oh, see, I'm okay, guys. I'm okay. See, yeah. I wrote him fine. And it's just like, yeah, but you've still wrote. It's like the guy who's like, man, that girl, that girl's acts like a whore all the time, <laughs> and you know that girl's like, kind of like, why is she acting like a whore all the time? And like, if you kept saying, like, bro, do you have an obsession with that girl? Right. Like, yeah. mm. no, bro, no. I'm just saying, yeah. like. Yeah. Bro, you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: So, how about the character choices? Are we done?
0: I thought you were. No, no, say, we're... How about them cowboys? <laughs> how about them cowboys. Character choices, as in for
1: uh, casting. For well, you don't really know the Manson, but, like the actual.
2: Nah. How did I you am... feel about the casting?
1: Of course, I didn't like it. Okay. For <laughs> the Manson family members. Mm-hmm. But it's not a film about the Manson family. No. So I have to keep that in mind.
2: I like Austin Butler.
1: Everybody does. He was creepy. He was great. He, well,
2: I didn't even recognize him, dude. I yeah. think
1: they were great. I think that they just were nothing absolutely nothing like any of them in yeah. real life. Mm. Susan Atkins is very quiet and very much talks very like right. this. Now she was crazy. But it came from this false innocence, and mm. it was very bizarre. Mm. And the girl they had in the film was just annoying. Sounds like you're outright. like, was it the
0: one who was like man, like yeah. all that, like yeah? That, that was it was very
1: phony. It was very weird. But I think he did that on purpose, so I can't argue it either. But I just thought it was like, damn, if you're gonna bring a, it, such an iconic story to cinema and to use it for just a little part of it, I wish the casting would have been like spot on. on. Point. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. where yeah. it would have been, I wouldn't have felt so like when that story got brought up, because obviously he changed everything in it. So you already have that. Spoiler. I (laughs)
2: was just kidding. (laughs) You have that that's kind of a...
1: You have that that's kind of a disappointment, but not really, because you understand how he used it. But it was a disappointment that the girl... And I heard that something about he chose all celebrities' children to play... The Manson family. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? For specific reasons. Yeah, and I understand that. I think it's cool. I'm just like, I feel like there would have been better choices. Yeah. Um, I don't think Squeaky From was anything like Squeaky From. Um, I like that? that? was uh, Elle Fanning. Oh, right. Um, mm. But I love No, Elle I Fanning. think that was Dakota Fanning. Oh, that was Dakota. Yeah. That's right. That was Dakota. I so. Which I love her. Yeah. So she was great as the, whoever she played, but who she played was not Squeaky. mm Unless she wasn't playing Squeaky Prom. No, I think she was. Um, but it just wasn't. And then Tex is a big dude. Tex yeah. Watson is a big dude. Big Texas
0: dude. Oh, my God. That line at the very end when he's like, what was your name? And he says something like, I am the devil. And, and then pause. The uh, no, it was something dumber than that. <laughs>
2: that Brad great. Pitt's delivery in that final would, scene was phenomenal. I would love to watch the final scene again because I have uh, this thing where, like, in suspenseful-type movies or situations, uh-huh. I can't enjoy it the first time because I'm concerned about how the characters are going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. when I watch it the second time, I can be like, oh, because oh, I didn't guy. laugh at any of the funny parts because I was like, you're going to die. Like, you you can't make jokes because he's got a gun in your face. So I was like, this isn't funny. But if I watch <laughs> it again, I'd be like, ha, ha. That's yeah, funny it that good. he's laughing with a gun. You don't I even like nervously laugh. No, that's like <laughs> it's usually what you're trying time. to go for. No, is not that it, this is endgame at this point. <laughs> okay, this is endgame. Well, I guess I mean yeah,
0: we are starting to like run out of time here. Um, might as well just fast forward that ending. I love it. Let's talk about it.
2: I love it. I thought it was a great ending. I thought. Um, the uh the violence towards women thing though, when he killed the one girl and like slammed her head into twenty seven different things, I was like, Hey, that's that's aggressive. And he was
1: already a woman killer, right? Yeah. He well, his
0: wife. they never confirmed it, he did. but for some reason that was
2: brought up. With so it's like Yeah. I was like, I don't um I understand obviously she was like trying to kill you, but like she's clearly down. Like, leave it.
0: Right you now. And it's different than like Inglorious Bastards for a few reasons. A Adolf Hitler really did die. And the war really did end. So with, like, the Nazis, you had this kind of, like, very specific, like, this is what we subscribe to. And it was, like, it was almost a mantra. Like, not every Nazi, well, not every, what was it? Not every German soldier was horrendous. Most Nazis were. Most SS were. It made for a little bit more easy watch where you're just like, yeah, do whatever you want. Like, the older I get, the less I'm big into that revenge fantasy. I'm just like, I mean, I'm older. I don't we're we're past that uh in Django it was different um it still was like they're taking on racism but it was still like Tarantino's version of racism where it's just like you only have one version of racist not like the more complex get out version of it where it's less about like because a lot of the people like even Abraham Lincoln he he wasn't he thought he didn't like hate black people he just was like oh they're you know they're we can save them But they might not be as smart as us. So it's like there's that subtlety that's kind of lost in a Tarantino film. This one, it just kind of was like once again the nth degree. I'm like, all right, they were murderers. I get what you're doing. But
1: not really because in real life Susan Atkins didn't kill anybody.
2: And it was Mm -hmm. like, it was, yes, it was a home invasion with seemingly the intent to kill, but they hadn't. Necessarily done anything because they
0: it was our foreknowledge that was like yeah exactly. kill him. yeah but not because, the characters foreknowledge no
1: yeah. they definitely brought, Brad Cooper was just
0: Brad Cooper yeah
1: oh, why do I keep doing that Brad Pitt was definitely way too excited to beat the f out of right those yeah chicks.
0: exactly and it wasn't like in Inglorious Bastards where it's like we killed Nazis but then again we're in a war where Nazis have been pretty shitty yeah or Django where it's like we killed slave owners but then again they were slave owners <laughs>
1: or. Was it to make us question the machismo in Hollywood and what they can get away with because they always look like heroes in the end?
0: That's a subtlety I'm not sure Tarantino is really going for.
1: Being okay with the girl sitting on his lap because he's a phenomenal actor. With torching a woman, being okay because now he's the hero and gets Sharon Tate, the woman, saved her. Mm. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. What if? That's actually, you know what, let's choose to believe that. (laughs) Let's choose to believe that there was a higher calling for this movie.
1: Tarantino said, nah, I wanted to see (laughs) hot white dudes beat up out of these Bitches. (laughs)
2: Bitches. <laughs> well, I honestly don't think it was
0: as deep as even that. Like, it's it for him. It was just like you said, love letter. This is my my story. I want to tell. This is how it's gonna be. That's it. Yeah. It's just for people. There's certain people that you watch and you go, hmm, okay. I don't know. And for me, that was like, I I already kind of sk- like squirm at violence, but I it was
2: good. But after a while, I was like, okay, bro. Like, Gee, it does. Yeah, I was. But I he's was done clenching. that
1: for a minute because even remember in Pulp Fiction, he has that whole rape scene yeah, yeah really? which, so he just he doesn't i don't think anybody's spared when it comes to tarantino no
0: no they're not it just definitely like the older i get the more i'm like he stays the same and you i'm changing and i'm just like <laughs> it's like that cool uncle or that cool like like oh. youth leader or something you're like yeah you're really awesome but then you get older and you're, like oh you're kind of the same and you
1: got issues
0: i'm moving on with my life <laughs> it's like that's how tarantino feels like he's still cool He's still Tarantino. We're just different, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely evolving now. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that was the point,
0: man. I mean, that, that is the basically the entire theme of the film. He's just like, what if we didn't have to, and what if people like me and every and the Rick Dalton are
1: white, are good white <laughs> leading men.
2: Just everything.
0: I mean, if you're gonna like do that. a movie about two top leading white men,
1: they
2: pick. The the top. Top. They pick the best yeah, one. The so. Heartthrobs.
0: Benji, do you have any thoughts? I know that Grace and I can be pretty talky.
2: That was a great, um, that was a great episode, you guys.
1: <laughs> I have to use the restroom.
2: Dude, looks <laughs> oh, like we're gonna. Oh, is, are we taking a restroom break? Or she we can just... take
0: a restroom break. Yeah, we still have to finish it up. Like we're done talking about it, but my ass is sweaty. That's hot. All right. Well, we're just we're back from a pee break. How was that, P. Grace?
1: Excellent.
0: <laughs> Heavenly. Um. Well, any final thoughts before
2: we we end it, end the episode?
0: Anything you have to say to Mr. Tarantino?
2: Um, I appreciate when you don't like how history played out, and you say, "No, I'm gonna say that it went this way," <laughs> because. I do that all the time, <laughs> so respect. I wanted to
1: see Margot Robbie kick some ass.
2: I just yeah, wanted, yeah I wanted to see her do. I wanted more. her
1: pregnant body to mm. pummel a bit.
0: I'm surprised you didn't have like weird lingering shots of her and her pregnant feet. I know. Blech.
1: Yeah the the connection to Margot Robbie in the film is very odd to me, but a lot of people said that, and I don't. You know, I don't really know what to say about it. She didn't talk a lot. Yeah. Um, he made her character kind of whatever. But thanks, Tarantino. Uh, another good film to talk about. Um,
0: like I said, even if we're disappointed by it, it's still going to be better than most.
1: Yep. Still better than other films. Yeah. Way to go. Good old Quentin.
0: I mean, Quentin. The only thing I can say is uh, hey, Quentin. I don't know how old you are now, but you're pretty much set in your ways, so okay. But you're kind of creepy sometimes.
2: So, uh, where can we find ourselves? You can find me at Benjwatch, B-E-N-J, watch, on Instagram. Okay. And anywhere else that matters. Just follow my Instagram. I really don't do anything else. <laughs> Why is it? Just do it, guys. <laughs> Just follow I need Instagram. It. And then this guy's at Josiah J Rizzo on all platforms. This girl is on.
1: You can <laughs> find me at ThugMuffin underscore top on Instagram. ThugMuffin underscore top on Twitter. Thug Muffin underscore top on SoundCloud and Thug Muffin underscore top on Grindr
2: and uh, <laughs> so that would be Thug Muffin top on all platforms <laughs> and uh, do you
0: have anything coming out soon that we can look out for? We
1: have uh, the single "Puff" out on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, iTunes. Yes. Title: We have "Ugly," the single on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. Spotify, iTunes, all of them. Yas Queen. All platforms.
0: Uh, and you can of course follow us at at Pink Popcast. Pop are you not going to say your normal thing? <laughs> is is your goal to just poke me with a stick this episode?
2: That's Pop, P-O-P, Cast. <laughs>
0: and be sure to, uh, you know, rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Like, uh, comment, subscribe. Like, com- like, comment, and subscribe. You can also watch us on YouTube. And, and leave uh, us a comment. We're going to read our best and our worst ones. Yes, we are. That's pretty much it. Yay! Anything right. else before we sign off? Mike, do you guys in. guys want to do anything more? Do you do you, do you want to do you want to rip the uh, the background off the wall? Don't do. It. Oh God, don't do it. No, 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 no. I'm Josiah <laughs> <I>. J. Rizzo.
1: <laughs> pink podcast.
2: I'm Benji Jones.
1: I'm Thug Muffin Grace Rizzo top.
2: And on Wednesdays we, we wear, wear pink. pink. Da 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 da.
0: We're going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, well, I'm going different... to do that again. Today we have my sister, Grace Rizzo, and we're going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Hollywood. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so the movie we're talking about is Once Upon a Time in
2: Hollywood. <laughs> I just saw a tear fall from her <laughs> eye trying not to say Mexico. Okay. So we got that. Uh who's it by Quentin Tarantino Yes